and we'll be in several chapters in that area. And tonight we are continuing on the the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And in verse chapter 11 verse 1 it says be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. And so we have how we will proceed going forward with all these gifts is I basically see four divisions to these gifts. The first one we dealt with last week which is the gifts that cease or the ceasing gifts. Now I as we said last week I'm not going to re-preach last week's this is not the age of those gifts, but I don't have solid scripture that says that God cannot, in rare circumstances, use those gifts uh, for the aid of his people. And so we'll let God be God. But, but uh, we are commanded to desire the spiritual gifts where there's three other categories of spiritual gifts. And uh, tonight will be the, the, the leadership of the ministry of the word. And then uh, next week uh, we will be dealing with the leadership of the ministry of mercy. And then, this, uh, then after that the leadership of the ministry of helps or service. And those are the three divisions that I can categorize all three into. And so tonight is the ministry of the leadership of the word. Uh, the gifts of leadership and teaching. What is a leader? One who has voluntary followers. The gauge of a leader is the gauge of how many or maybe not even necessarily how many, but is he also creating leaders and so forth? Uh, and then we're dealing with leadership and teaching. And both of these come together in the pastorate. Uh, the pastor is to be a leader and a teacher and the leader of teachers. Uh, what is the key to pastoral leadership? There's all different kinds of leadership. Uh, and we're dealing with it within the spiritual church realm. But what, outside of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, uh, what, is, what is the key to pastoral leadership? Well, let's try here. Be followers of me even as I am of the Lord. I heard a lot of things when I was young, and they 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 were inquisitive to me, and I kind of remember them, and I wrote some of them down, and and I heard them when I was young, and I can say them now that I'm older. Older. I don't want to end it without the er there. The best leaders are the best followers. 
The ones who can execute authority the greatest are those who can display the best submissiveness. Now at first, that just kind of knocks you back, but the longer you're at this, the more you'll figure in leadership, you'll, you'll know that to be true. Well, what is leadership in general? Well, leadership is influence. A leadership isn't being a boss, because, you know, the difference between uh, a boss is, hey, you can compel them. You, you, you have that paycheck. You either do this or you're fired. Well, here's the thing. I get to lead a bunch of people, tell them what to do. They can fire me. So leadership within the, within the Lord's house isn't, isn't mandated that way. And the Lord Jesus said the greatest will be a servant. Teaching, uh, what is teaching? Well, teaching is, is making the truth uh, understandable and rememberable. You can understand it and you can retain it. And preaching adds a passion or an urgency to teaching. Teaching informs, preaching moves. What do you mean by that? Well, pastors ought to preach. And they lead, their primary responsibility is lead the church in preaching. What do you mean by inform and lead? I don't want hands, but I want you in, in your mind to, to think. Back during Thanksgiving time, I preached four, maybe five sermons on trying to be more purposely grateful every day. Now, I'm going to gauge my effectiveness as a leader. Does that have any effect on your personal life? I didn't ask you if you understood it. I asked you, did you follow it? Did you apply it? Teaching informs, preaching moves. I've asked, I've asked you and made emphasis to read the Bible more daily. To have a structured way of reading the Bible more daily. Everybody can understand what I said. But did, my effectiveness, I don't want the grade. I don't want to know the grade on either of them. Has that changed? Has that moved you to read the Bible more daily? Now, believe me, I understand. We just got out of Leviticus, if you're following it. And man alive, the whole chapter on what to do with the kidneys of an animal. I mean, I mean, there's, 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 there's parts of it that, you know. Hey, hey, if, if you can get anything out of reading through Leviticus right now, thank God I'm not under the law. Thank God, I, you know, I love that song. Free from the law, oh, happy condition. <laughs> Jesus is bled and there is remission. That's leadership in preaching. And the, the, the pastor's job is to feed, to preach, and to lead, to move. That's where it's done. In chapter 12 of Corinthians, it, as we mentioned in chapter 1, he says, now concerning... Spiritual bre uh, gifts, brethren, uh, I would not have you ignorant. And so he says he, he, he doesn't want them uh, to be ignorant. 
that that there are spiritual gifts and uh, he later on look with me down here in verse 28 well I'm sorry well no I'm not he said and God has set some in the church first apostles secondly prophets thirdly teachers I think it's speaking of pastors here not that there isn't also other teachers after that miracles and the gifts of healing helps governments and diversities and so we dealt with those things last week uh, let me say this pastoring is to and preaching and to teaching is to equip now want to try to move quick I'm trying to get it concise and to the point the word bishop in the Bible if you go to Timothy we're not going to go there first Timothy 2 2 he says if a bishop desire the if a man desire the office of a bishop look it up in any new version you want to well most of them that's too broad a statement and it gives you the literal Greek rendering of the word if any man desire to be an overseer that's what a bishop is is an overseer see an elder deals with his wisdom a pastor deals with his care it's all the same office but a bishop deals with the fact that he is the overseer and pastoral leadership or any leadership you can apply this to any leadership now look I'm going to say this as I talk about pastoral leadership all of us are called to be <laughs> leaders in our home and in our family and our influence <clears throat> but leadership <clears throat> if you're following the Lord then leadership must start with love let me tell you something when people love when people know you love them they'll follow You'll have a greater influence. I, I may have the first part of this quote right because I'm doing it from memory. But I've heard this quote many times and I think, uh, I think it was the preacher in South Carolina that said it first. I can't remember his name now. And I'm going to have to start writing stuff down that I used to be able to remember regularly. You can clean a sheep once a week. You can shear him once a year. You can only skin him once. You embarrass somebody, they'll remember that to the day they die. And don't and don't say they should get over it. They should. But you call somebody out like that. I'm just saying. You can clean them once a week and you can share them once a year, but you skin them and they're done with you. And certainly we don't ever want to do that. I remember I remember in basketball one time, I, we was coming down to the last second play as a coach, you know. And I said, I said, I said uh, Brock, they're leaving you open on the wing. I want, I want the pass to come to you. Wait for the man to pull up then hit Jackson cut into the basket. Well, Brock took the shot. And I came out of there. I was about ready to wring Brock's neck. And uh, 
I came out of there and a bunch of the parents grabbed me and said, why'd you have Brock taking the last shot instead of Jackson or so-and-so? And I said, because Brock was hot during warm-ups. And I looked at Brock and I said, and he said, and the whole, my whole team saw the fact that I was covering for him. He did not do what I said, but I took the heat, I took the criticism. You know why? I could have destroyed that boy for a whole season. But we need him on the team. And we need him on the team with some confidence. And we need him on the team knowing that his coach has his back. You can cheer a sheep once a year, but you can only skin him once. And leadership must be able to, uh, to lead with love. And I could give you a bunch of other analogies where they didn't do what I said and it was successful and then I chewed them out in front of everybody. <laughs> but then when they don't do what I told them to do and they're not successful, I cover for them. And there's a method to that. Because <laughs> they're feeling a little bit too, well, I can do what I want and be successful without the coach. No, I'm going to rip you down in front of everybody. Because you, why? Because you have the confidence to handle that when you and the others you don't. Leadership must be able to unite. If you can't unite, it's not leadership. The ability, and I heard this, I'm a, the, the ability to pastor a big church versus a smaller church or, or a big group versus a smaller group is the one who's able to lead the bigger group is able to unite more people that disagree with him for more reasons. The ability to, to bring together and to take responsibility. You know, when we started the, in the pandemic, the college started, everybody was, y'all weren't on lockdown. Uh, I don't guess. We were on lockdown. Most of the country was on lockdown, and there wasn't a whole lot to do. And so we, and I've told you about the start, but the college was hot in 2020 because we had all these students. I mean, we had about 20-some adult graduates from the states because they were at home and we had all these Zoom things and everything else, and I took it. And I couldn't, but one guy after another said, I cannot believe you've got this guy and this guy, actually. Them guys ain't talked together in 15 years. They hate each other. Now they're working together. Well, unite them under a common goal. Leadership is not the ability to do the work, that's the job of the servant. The leader is the ability to get the work done. And people call me up, want me to edit these books and do all this and do all that. It's not because I'm some English man. They know it. It's, it's about getting it done. It's about finding someone else to do it. Leaders take criticism. They take criticism. If you can't take criticism, then, then this I'm not saying you don't ever get angry and then you vent to your buddy or you vent to your friend or you, do, or you do anything else, but you're able to keep your mouth shut and move on and you're able to learn from the criticism and you're able to say, my bad, when it's my fault, it's my fault. And you know what? Most of the time it's my fault. But it takes the response, leadership takes all the responsibility. Takes all the responsibility. If you're not ready for all the responsibility, you're not ready for leadership. Any group that is successful, whether it is a whether it is business, it's the workers. Whether it's school, it's the students. Whether it's a ball team, 
It's the players. It's because of them. They get the credit. It's, uh, if it's not successful, it's always the leader's fault. Now, if you don't understand that statement, then you either need to learn leadership or you haven't been in leadership. Yeah, I was talking with Nancy the other Sunday night. You know, she's got a moving business. If her movers come and destroy my house, is it her movers' fault or is it her fault? She hired them. She sent them to my house. It's her job to train them. She, takes, she may not have done the deed, but she has to be responsible for it. If a, class is fa if a whole class is failing, the teacher's failing to teach them. If a, if, if, if a bald team isn't working together as a team, you're not putting them in the right position. Don't blame that kid because he doesn't play shortstop very well. Blame the coach for putting him in the wrong position. And so leadership gives all the credit and takes all the criticism. That's, that's just the way it is. I'm, 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 hey, look. And the pastor is responsible for everything. And if someone is not, if something's not going on, or whatever, it's my fault. Any man that's not willing to say that is not a true leader. It's time for me to figure out how to make it work, or how not, or how to do this, or how to do that. You know, sometimes, you know, you know, <laughs> you know what I said to Brock. I said, I said, Brock, don't worry about it, but uh, don't expect to be in the last minute of the game for the for, for the next few games, so you can prove that you're going to do what your coach says. I need somebody in there that's going to do what I tell them. I mean, you, we can sub players. Or we can give extra tutoring to students. We do what we want. It's the, it's the job of teaching. It's the job of teaching. Leadership is training. If, if it's failing, it's because I'm failing to train. I'm trying to teach. That brings us into the teacher aspect of it. Both of these, now let me say this, both of these are empowered by the Holy Spirit and gifted by the Holy Spirit. But every gift of the Holy Spirit must be built on. Must be built on, cultivated. You have a responsibility to do it. You say, I'm gifted as a teacher. Don't just leave it there. You need to study. <laughs> If you're gifted as a teacher, you need to study. You need to learn from teachers. You need to dive in. You need to always be doing it. My preaching is always changing. My delivery is always changing. The way that I make things come across is always changing. Why? Because you, ha you have to find out what's effective, not... Not, not what your style is. You know you know those preachers that's got that one style, that one voice that they have when they preach all the time. You know, they got that one method of going, ah, you say, Brother Robbie, yes, I am making fun. The point is, 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 is 
is if I, if I was in the mountains of Kentucky right now, I'd be pounding this pulpit all day. You know why? Because I'd have wild youngins and I'd have to keep everybody in line. I walk out there with busted up knuckles preaching up there. Hey, it's my job to keep their attention. Boy, man, I was talking to Grant not too long ago, and I was talking about y'all, and he was talking about them. I said, isn't it so wonderful that you don't have to spend half the sermon figuring out how to hold their attention, but to feed their attention? That makes it a whole lot easier. But if you've got a group that you got to, if you got youngins, you're going to have to hold their attention. You're going to have to get a little... Well, something else, if you've got some older ones, you're going to have to hold their attention. Uh, you're going to have to preach a little different on some subjects than others. You're going to have to always be learning. You can't be teaching if you're not always learning. What's the leader supposed to do? He's supposed to follow the Lord. What's the teacher supposed to do? He's supposed to follow the word. Turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8 and give you the best little outline there is on how to teach. Nehemiah, this is Ezra. Ezra has come before the people. They, don't, they haven't heard the law. They, 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 they've been called out of Babylon back in. I'm not going to redo everything uh, uh, or, or bring up every point in here, but... In verse 4, And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, uh, which they made for the purpose. Beside him stood, so he stood up on this pulpit of wood. Why did he stand up on the pulpit of wood? Well, let me make it simple. If you want to be heard, you speak up. If you want to be seen, you have to be lift up. I mean, it's that simple. And down here in verse 5, And Ezra opened the book. In the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. There you go. And when he opened the book, all the people stood up. Someone said, do you believe we have to stand up when we're reading the scripture? It's, I like it as a habit. It's good. It's okay to do it in the opening text. But if, if you're going to make it legalistic, then you're going to have to stand up every time I read the scripture. So look with me here in verse 8. Here it is. So they read in the book, in the law of God, distinctively. That means he brought distinctively. What does that mean? That means he put the emphasis where it needed to be put. He emphasized it correctly. And gave the sense, what's this mean? And cause them to understand the reading. That's teaching. Teaching, when we, we have to read the word, then we have to state or teach the truth of the word. Not only do we have to state or teach the truth of the word, if you want to be, let me tell you where it clicks. And it took me a long time to figure this out. Because I was more wrapped in my style than effectiveness. Illustrations. People grab a hold of illustrations. 
I want, and and I, so when I figured that out, I was making all these illustrations about Winston Churchill and the Civil War and all this. Other, people don't want to hear that. Everyone here. A weak illustration about you in your personal life is better than a perfect illustration from antiquity. To stick it in their brain. Because there's not only an illustration there, there's a relating there. You're not the first one to mess up. I, I've messed up. You've got to admit, you've got to teach, you've got to grab a hold of things. You've got to illustrate the truth. Then you have to apply it. Here's how it works. This is what you ought to do with it. An old statement that's gone through the years. If you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. How many of y'all could simply explain? How, well, okay. How many of y'all understand the theory of relativity? Well, my hand ain't up. How many could simply explain the theory of relativity? They asked Einstein, can you explain to the average person the theory of relativity real short and quick and without a hesitation? He said, he said, the theory of relativity is like this. You can be sitting in a park with a beautiful woman on a sunny day for an hour and it feels like a minute. I mean, you'd be sitting there for... You could be sitting there for a minute and it'll feel, uh, yeah, it'll feel like an hour and you'll be, it feels like you've only been there a minute. You put you on a hot stove for a minute and it'll feel like an hour. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. But suffering feels like forever. Now that's simply what relativity. If, you want, if you're the master, you can say it simply. You can state it simply. That's why we have to study to be simple, especially in the hard passages. Have to study to be simple and just give a simple illustration. Just give a simple statement. Try to, try to make it simple. Some try to show you their intelligence. Don't show people your intelligence. You know, by making these grand statements. Make it simple. If you're not, if, if the people can't understand it, what are you doing? And you've got to gauge that based on each crowd. There's some 10-year-olds that will get it before a 50-year-old, but that, you still have to state it simple. But the point is that we have to desire... We have to desire to be gifted and desire for this gift to be used of the Lord. For his glory, for his honor, for his purpose. And, and, and whether you're a leader at home or a Sunday school class or a nursing home ministry, you must first be a, a, you must first be a follower of the Lord. And you teach. That's how you lead in the Lord is by teaching from the word. We don't have direct revelation like Paul did. We have the word. I remember that old hillbilly preacher, Ray Offit. 
who, who said, uh, you know why your life's crooked? Because you ain't following the ruler. <laughs> he said, if you want, you want to draw a straight line, you, you follow. Now, this man was intelligent, but he knew how to preach to his people. If you want to make a straight line, you put the ruler down and you follow the ruler. And it says right here, obey them to have the rule of you before they care for your soul as one that must be a cow. And if you've got a straight ruler, you need to follow it. So let me say this. Your greatest responsibility is to make sure you're a straight ruler. Don't go into a church at the beginning, the middle, or the end thinking I need to change them to this. You need to self-examine from the word of God Figure out where you need to change. Read the word. Just come and tell the people what you found. And God has a way of working through your experience to where it meets up with the people's lives. And so well, uh, 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 we don't want to get out. We've got to follow the Lord. And those who love leadership, I'm a little afraid of. Those who feel themselves qualified, I, I feel they're not. I remember the first little church I pastored. I wasn't even really sure that I was supposed to be a pastor, to be honest. I mean, things happen so quick. And it was a small church, but man had been there, built the building, had stuck to good pastors, bad pastors. Just And he stood up, and, and, and I had a lot of respect for this man. He was a farmer. He had an earth-moving company where he was like bulldozing and, and he worked third shift at IBM. I mean, this man worked from day to night. He napped between jobs. He never he never slept more than four hours a time. He napped between jobs. He's this godly, hardworking man, big old arms, but just the sweetest man. And he and it would be about my dad's age and just had, just had a way of saying things. I loved Ronnie Fane. And, he just prayed, Lord, help our pastor. And I was sitting there going, you don't know how that just knocked me down. I'm this man's pastor? This man that's older and wiser and smarter and more godly and knows the scriptures and this man who, 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 the age, and I'm his pastor? I came out of there, I said, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't leave men like that. I can't do this. Who am I? I prayed, and I, I mean, I was ready to resign the church. The next Sunday, I was going to tell them I can't do it. I can't be, I, 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 I think I've stepped outside of myself. I called up running on the phone. I said, Ronnie, I can't do this. He said, sounds like you're in a good position for the Lord to lead. Sounds like you're right where you need to be. I was having a, a lunch yesterday. Let me get off of that. before. I was having lunch yesterday with a pastor I've known for years, and he's been at it for years, and uh, just in the area for a few days. He was, we were laughing and cutting up, and I was being sarcastic. I said, I don't know why some of these preachers don't like me. And he said, you don't know, do you? 
And he said, no. He said, he said, Robbie, there's something about you, I'm going to say, that most preachers just try, they, they've been taught who they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to act. And you don't follow that, really. <laughs> you just kind of yourself. And when you get around guys that take themselves a little too personally, you deliberately pick at them and drive them insane. <laughs> I said, well, that's, that's, not a, that's not something to brag on. Uh, and I said, well, I don't do that to church members. He said, I know you don't. You like picking on the strong, but you sure can drive them nuts. He said, you remind me. He said, they'll... He said, you got a way of reducing them in a sentence like Donald Trump. They'll say something, and you'll just blurt out just the perfect thing to shoot that rocket through the air. Now, my point is this. There's something about people that uh, take themselves just a little too seriously in the leadership role, and thank God y'all have me, that crawls on me. It makes it makes me wanna I guess it really isn't a spiritual gift for me to knock him down a peg. But he said, Well, he said, You're gifted at it. <laughs> and I don't know, that's a Holy Spirit gift. But uh I said, Well, one thing about it, brother. Do you think I care? He said, No, you delight in it. <laughs> now I said that to say this, leaders, a lot of times what people think is, is, is leadership is not leadership. Leadership is the ability to get people on the same page and to follow the Lord with you. And there's a lot of ways people do that. There's a lot of ways people do that. But that's the result. And leadership is training them to know the things of the Lord. To teach, how do you do that? How does a pastor do that from the pulpit? Teaching the word. Making it simple. Applying it to your life. And saying, we need people that can teach. We need people. You, you may never hold a position in, in, in the church of a teacher. But that doesn't mean that you can't teach, that you, that you find that one little sentence at the right time, or you, you, you make that one suggestion at the right time. But let me tell you something. Who do you follow the advice of? Two people. You got to have two major qualifications for any type of voluntary leadership. Number one, they got to believe that you have the ability to do some things. Now, I, you know, I don't take financial advice from a man that's been in and out of bankruptcy every seven years. You know, I mean, I just don't do it. You know, I mean, you got to, you know, I mean, you just don't follow somebody who don't know nothing about what they're talking about. But they also got to trust that you have their best interests at heart. That you care about them. And so you know what you're talking about. 
you've displayed it. Nobody, what am I saying? No one wants to hear you tell them how to be a Christian over and over again. You know what they're going to do at that point? They're going to pick you apart. Well, I, well, I, well, I, well, my family, well, we, well, I, well, I, well, well, aren't you something special for all of us to follow? And you could be writing on that. You don't have to tell people you're godly. Just live godly. You don't have to tell everybody how to do everything. Just do it. And when they're messing up, they'll come to you for advice and you can say, you can give it and you can hand it over. It's not about qualifications. It's about sincerity. Have you ever not, and, and it's not about being intimidating at the same time. What great, now I don't know baseball too well, Kenny, but in basketball and football, what great NBA or NFL player ever made a good coach? You ain't going to give me no name. Now, you can give me some good players. That team has to believe that you know what you're doing. But meantime, the guys that were the best at it, they have a, they, you know, Jerry West was a failure as a coach. And he, he said, I can't do this. And, and some of the greatest ones, why? Because they're just, it just doesn't work. But the guy that was a good player, or even a, that's a good player, but good enough to make the team. Those guys are the best coaches. And some of these guys, that, that coach down there coaches for the Dolphins, weirdest looking little kid you ever seen in your life, runs around about 25 years old, runs around in sweatpants. If he was in the crowd, you'd think he was just one, he was just one of the groupies. He's on about 27 years old. Never really played football in his life. Harley was a punter, I think, in high school, something like that. And, buddy, he's got a whole team of NFL guys ready to charge for him. You know why? Because he can relate on them on a personal level, and he lets his coaches coach them. And he's, and he's, he's brilliant at the X's and O's. He does the X's and O's, and he lets the – players teach them how to do it my point is, is is you don't have to be even a great player but you but they have to know that you've got something going on and you got their best interest at heart Same, and, and that's why we teach we teach teach them God's word this is what I found worked for me may not work for you I had a similar situation. I'm, I'm talking more about interpersonal than teaching from a pulpit. I had that problem before. And I know somebody else that's had that problem before. I, you may not have ever had that problem before. The Lord Jesus never experienced sin, but he was the best teacher that ever lived. You don't have to relate on him on everything, but you do have to be able to show them that you care and that you love them. And they, they will, people will follow you. They will follow you. That's why the best-selling leadership book in the last 30 years is Why Eaters Eat Last. Because they always put the group before them. They always put the group before them. Mama always ate last. 
Made sure all her boys had seconds before she even took her first. And daddy would come in screaming and yelling and we might do it out of fear, we might not. But if mama just asked, we was bound to do it. Why great eaters eat last? Because they got to know that you care about them. And, and, that, and if you don't care, then, then you, ain't, you ain't in the business. <laughs> then you ain't gifted. It's, it's, it, it'll rip your heart out. You will take the you will take the criticism. Hey, you know what? You know why? Hey, what mama out there if that really loves her kid will stand in front of public criticism before they criticize their child? Just about every one of them. What shepherd? Hey, if sheep are getting mauled, it's not the sheep's fault. It's the shepherd. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, is whether we're dealing with leading in the ministry of the word, whether we're dealing with leading in the ministry of mercy, whether we're dealing with leadership in the ministry of service, people will follow your passion. They will follow your passion if they think you know what you're doing. Now, in the ministry of service, for instance, and say, hey, I want you to do this or do that up on the roof. We got some roofing stuff going on. We'll talk about later as time moves on. But, uh, well, have you ever done that? No. Have you ever seen it done? No, but I think it'll work. <laughs> Give it a shot. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Nobody going to do that. Hey, I'm kind of curious if it'll work. Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Let's see how that works out. <laughs> no, no. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> hey, you're up in that tree taking them branches down. Just take that. Take that chainsaw. You can't do that. Yeah, you can. Have you done it? Nah. <laughs> I'd never do nothing like that. <laughs> but I'm willing to see, I'm willing to sacrifice you. <laughs> and see if it works. There, there's too many people in simple things that they feel like, here you go on out there. <laughs> Let me see what happens. It happens in churches as well. You think the people will get mad? I don't know. Tell me when it happens. <laughs> Let me know. All right. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. Brother Kenny, would you dismiss